What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome back in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we're talking about the NFC and everything that's happened in the NFC since pretty much the end of the season, talking free agency and all that good stuff. So it's been a minute. It's been like a week and a half. Since the AFC, I've been trying desperately. I just can't wait any longer. I've been trying desperately to wait and not publish or record this podcast until after Baker or Jimmy, one of them, get a starting spot in probably Seattle or maybe Carolina. But nevertheless, it has yet to happen, and I don't want to wait any longer. The NFL draft is exactly from time of release on this episode, 30 days away. I am super excited. I will be working on the day that we have the first round, which sucks, but I will be off for the day two and day three of the NFL draft, and I'll be getting live updates on my phone and stuff or on my watch while I'm working. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know what's going on. I just don't get to watch watch it. But anyways... With that said, 30 days till the NFL Draft, super excited. After we're done talking about this, I will have a mock draft episode coming out and I'm going to have some talk about a lot of the rookies that are coming in and the things that I think are important to know for fantasy and guys that I'm higher on, lower on, and other people, all that stuff, reasons why, etc., etc. But with that said, let's talk about the free agency moves and before we get straight up into the NFC, we're going to talk about some of the updates since the last episode, since I released the AFC changed episode. We're going to talk about stuff that's happened in the AFC. So we had the Bengals sign Lyle Collins from the Dallas Cowboys. So that's sick. That's by far the best of the three offensive linemen. The Bengals have added this offseason and they did exactly what I said that they should be doing. And it's sick. I mean, and I'm not saying like, oh, I said, everyone said this. But finally, finally, protect Joe Burrow. You've got a trio, a solid, super sick trio of wide receivers. Now you've got a good O-line in front of Joe Burrow. You've still got Joe Mix in there. I mean, whoo! It's going to be a good offense, boys. It's going to be a good offense. Love it. So, that's a sick move. Looks good for Joe Burrow, looks good for Joe Mixon especially. I don't know how much having a improved offensive line is going to help the receivers. It probably helps their touchdown potential because it'll let the offense be better. But other than touchdowns, I don't really think it helps anything else. But it's really good for Joe Burrow and really good for Joe Mixon. So the double Joe right there is getting a boost. Then we have Matt Ryan to the Colts. So Atlanta sent Matt Ryan off to Indy. I really am not looking at any of the players on Indy any differently than how we looked at them when they had Carson Wentz. 
Because at this point, I don't really think Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz. I see a lot of people saying that. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. Um, If you watch Carson Wentz and you don't just think of how he finished the season last year and you look at the totality of the season and how his stats pan out, he's actually, he he bears out as a pretty good quarterback. He actually does. Um, And that's why I like the move and I don't understand all the hate for the commanders. Wow, that still sounds weird to say that. Um, I'm surprised I didn't mess it up. So we've got Matt Ryan to the Colts. Honestly, I'm not really changing much. I'm not interested in Matt Ryan for fantasy purposes. If you're in Superflex, he's still like a bottom of the barrel quarterback that I'm not interested in. So no thank you on Matt Ryan. And then we had Tyreek Hill traded to the Dolphins. So Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, two of the best wide receivers in the game are on new teams and I would far prefer, without a doubt, Devontae Adams compared to Tyreek. Tyreek is going from Patrick Mahomes, right? And what was the thing that made Tyreek so dynamic? It was the deep threat and the deep ball. We can't trust Tua to be able to connect with Tyreek on a consistent basis to the level of proficiency that he did with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about Tua, but Tua's not Patrick Mahomes, right? So we can't just say think or say that you know Tyreek Hill's gonna come in and he's gonna be fine he's gonna open up the offense he's gonna get his deep shots Tua was really good at Alabama with a cast of sick wide receivers that had speed and that's what he has now so he's gonna be just fine talking about Tyreek I think Tua will be good and I think this will be a very interesting year this is gonna be the year where we find out is Tua made for the NFL or not is he gonna have a long-standing career as a starter in the NFL or not, we'll find out this year because he's running out of excuses. Now, I will say their offensive line is still trash. Hopefully, they make it better. But they did make a super solid addition by adding offensive tackle Teron Armstead, who came from the Saints. And the Saints, we know, have always had a good offensive line. So the Bengals, or excuse me, the Dolphins added Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead. So those two really good additions for Miami. I am very, I don't want to say nervous, but I'm not super, super excited about Jalen Waddle's outlook now because I have no idea how they're going to use Jalen Waddle. Is Tyreek Hill going to be on the outside and Jalen Waddle be on the outside with Cedric Wilson in the slot? Is Jalen Waddle going to be in the slot? Are they going to put Tyreek in the slot? Are all three people going to rotate all three positions? I have no idea what this offense is going to look like. And you can make presumptions based off, you know, looking at the coaching tree coming from San Fran, but we don't really know because we haven't seen him as a head coach yet. So we're not 100% sure we know exactly what he's going to do until preseason. So this is actually a team that's going to be important to watch during preseason, see how their offense functions and see how they utilize their wide receivers so you can figure out how to project guys like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in this offense. But as of right now, it's kind of a bummer because... Waddle was locked in for 100 receptions, and I don't know if that's really the case anymore. So with that said, let's move on to the Chiefs. They have two additions, not super high high name players or marquee guys, but they added Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and they added Ronald Jones. Obviously, they lost Tyreek. Ronald Jones to the Chiefs, I thought that was funny because Ronald Jones had his like best games versus the Chiefs when he was with the Bucs um, versus the Chiefs and the Panthers. I think those were like his best games. And 
he's got the speed element that they want. He's a good runner. Everyone, people are so annoying about Ronald Jones. Like, he's not a good pass catcher, and he's not a good blocker, right? He's not a good pass blocker, but he's a good runner. Sometimes he he makes jump cuts when they're unnecessary. Sometimes he will make the wrong read. But efficiency-wise, he's a good running back. He's an efficient running back. He has averaged over, I believe, four and a half yards per carry for the last two seasons. And he's got the speed to take it to the house if he gets an open lane. So Ronald Jones, I think, is a pretty good addition to that Chiefs offense because nobody's going to be worried about Ronald Jones. Nobody's worried about stopping the run in Kansas City. They're worried about Patrick Mahomes. Now, we'll have to see how that changes with Tyreek gone, which is a whole nother concept, which, by the way, Travis Kelsey, I think, is going to be safer now. But I don't think his ceiling is necessarily higher with Tyreek being gone because he's going to see a lot tougher coverage. So Travis Kelsey is going to be more consistent week to week because he's going to have a more consistent target volume. And Patrick Mahomes is taking, obviously, a knock or two down the board in quarterback rankings without Tyreek because anytime you give a quarterback a deep threat and somebody as dynamic as Tyreek, and he's not just a deep threat, don't hear what I'm not saying, but anytime you take a weapon like that away, they're going to get worse. That's just how it works in the NFL. So, And I'm sure you already know that. So we had MVS and Roja to the Chiefs. I'm not interested in MVS at all. Corey Coleman did sign there. I've kind of been a Corey Coleman, not, not truther, but I've always liked him more than most. And I think the Browns gave up on him way too much. And he's just, he's another story, right? Another person out of Cleveland. Like, could they have been good? We don't know. And I mean, if you're in like a 32-man league, wink, wink. If you're in a 32-man league, maybe he's somebody that you want to be looking at. Or like a super deep 14-team league. Once again, wink, wink. I'm talking to the people that are in these leagues with me. Um, I think I was able to get him in one. Oh, no. He's he's still processing in the waiver. Well, I just gave away. I just showed my cards to everybody. Um, that's cool. So now everybody's going to outbid me on Corey Coleman. But anyways, um, yeah, so... He's worth a, an addition, just like a flyer addition if you need somebody. Then we've got, that's actually pretty much it for the changes in the AFC. Now we can talk about overall the NFC changes, which way less than the AFC because the AFC was adding everybody from the NFC. So NFC is really just losses, not too many, not too many additions. We'll start with the Falcons. And I told somebody that I would start the podcast, so I apologize. I didn't start the podcast with it, but I told somebody I would start the podcast with my argument for Kyle Pitts as the 101 in Superflex Leagues. Okay, this argument is very simple. If you know me and you have listened to my work or followed my work at all over the past couple years, you know that I am huge on VORP. Okay, VORP is something that not necessarily, I don't know if I created the concept, but I VORP like V-O-R-P I came up with because that's what I like to call it. But other people may call it value-based drafting, VBD. Um, but it's not the exact same. My equation's a little bit different. But VORP is value over replacement player, okay? So if I, and this is the argument for Kyle Pitts at 101 in Superflex Dynasty Leagues, okay? So this is how it works. If I play Kyle Pitts, I'll, we'll just use him since as the example since we're talking about him. If I play Kyle Pitts in my tight end one spot, 
We're assuming this is a regular league, not tight end premium, not double tight end, nothing like that. Just a regular standard one tight end per roster in the starting lineup league. Okay. If I play Kyle Pitts, then that means Kyle Pitts is in my roster every week in that tight end one spot. Okay. Obviously. Now there's 11, let's say it's a 12 team league. There's 11 other teams that have to play a tight end. So how you work VORP, it's super simple. Value over replacement player. I take Kyle Pitts's average points per game in fantasy, and I compare that to the other top 11, because where Kyle Pitts is going to be in the top 12, right? Obviously, I'm going to take the other top 11 tight ends and average their fantasy points per game. So let's say the average tight end one fantasy points per game is like 10 or 11 points per game, which is accurate. That's usually what it's around, okay? It's 10 or 11 points per game. We'll say 10 just for easy math. And Kyle Pitts averages 17 fantasy points per game. That means according to value over replacement player, VORP, I'm getting a plus 7 at one position because of Kyle Pitts. That is insanity. Insanity. And I'll, I'll explain it to you like this. Patrick Mahomes, let's say he's QB1 next year, okay? Let's say he, he averages 25 points per game. Well, the average top 12 quarterback usually averages like 20, 21, okay? And and if, if Mahomes is averaging 25, that's that's a lot. Like, he's not going to do that every year. I'm saying like, you know, he's he has a really good year and he averages 25 points per game and he's QB1. Well, the average top 12 quarterback is going to be getting like 21 points a game. So your VORP is only plus four for Patrick Mahomes. And super flex is what we're talking about, right? So super flex, quarterback is super valuable, and Mahomes is probably your 101, either Mahomes or Josh Allen. Well, they're getting you about four points per game more than the average starting quarterback for another team. Well, Kyle Pitts is getting you seven points per game more than the average tight end for another team. Not to mention that Kyle Pitts was extremely successful as a rookie at the tight end position and is, I think he's 21. If he's not 21, I'm pretty sure he's 21. Let me look it up while I keep talking. But Kyle Pitts is extremely young. And he produced in a situation last year that was absolutely horrible. He had no help around him. He he had nobody to take attention away from him. He still produced. He had almost no touchdowns. And he still produced. And yes, he is 21. He's 21 years old right now. So he's also super young. And his birthday's in October. So he's actually still going to be 21 when the season starts. His sophomore season in the NFL. The dude's got nine more years at minimum. If he, I mean, if he falls the natural course of injury and production curve for a tight end, he's got at least nine years of elite production. Nine years of elite production at the tight end position. Tight end is more valuable. This is going to sound like a hot take, but think about it. Tight end is more valuable even in a super flex league than quarterback. In regular leagues, tight end is always the most valuable position if you get one of the top tier guys. Always. The VORP is always the highest for the top tier tight ends. It's not even close. Travis Kelsey leads VORP every single year. The only time Travis Kelsey has not had the most VORP was when Christian McCaffrey averaged 30 points per game, and it was super close. Super close. 
Christian McCaffrey was at 30 points per game. Kelsey was at like 22. And Kelsey had a higher value over replacement player. Or or almost had, sorry. Almost had a higher value over replacement player. Despite scoring 8 points less. You would be like, oh, Christian McCaffrey at 30 points per game? He's easily, by far, nowhere close in comparison to Kelsey. You gotta take him before Kelsey every time. But actually, they were almost neck and neck. Because you've got plenty of other running backs out there scoring 22 points per game. 23 points per game. Kelsey was scoring about that as a tight end, but the next best tight end was scoring 15, 14, 13. So that's how you got to look at it. And that is why Kyle Pitts should be or could be the 101 in a Superflex Dynasty League. And if it's not Superflex, he absolutely could be the 101 without question. And I am one of the people to take that kind of risk. And those kind of risks in fantasy often pay off. So don't be afraid to do it. Now, with that said, let's talk about the Falcons. All right. They lost wide receiver Russell Gage to the Bucks. They lost quarterback Matt Ryan to the Colts. This makes me think of the Fields angle that I have. Okay, that it was, and I we just talked about how amazing Kyle Pitts is. But in terms of for a franchise, not for fantasy football, for a franchise, quarterback is obviously more important. They should have drafted Justin Fields at four. I said it before the draft. I said it after the draft. I said they will regret it. So will the Panthers for passing up on Fields at either eight or nine, whatever they had for J.C. Horn. And so would the Broncos for passing up on him at 10. Well, the Broncos ended up getting lucky. They had no idea they were going to be able to get Russell Wilson the next year. They lucked into that. But it worked out for the Broncos. But the Panthers are have got to be regretting it already. And yes, I know Justin Fields is not a proven NFL, pro, uh, NFL player who's proven successful. And some of you guys don't believe in Justin Fields. But the Falcons are probably going to waste a pick on a quarterback in the first or second round this year. And that pick is going to get wasted. Because that quarterback's probably not going to come out to much. And they had a prime opportunity at pick four overall last year to get Justin Fields, who, if he was the quarterback, if he was a quarterback in this rookie class, would be the number one quarterback on every single person's board. It would it would not be a question. I am telling you, it would not be a question. It would be consensus it would be unanimous Justin Fields would be QB1 it would be three tier breaks before you get to Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell or Matt Corral or whoever you have as your QB1 in this class that's just how it is and they made a mistake by passing on him and now they're going to make the mistake worse by trying to rectify the mistake and getting a quarterback this year so if if I was the Falcons I would just roll with Mariota put some weapons, put some, you know, trench players on that team, and then maybe you'll get Bryce Young next year because your team is so bad, has so many holes, it's going to suck. So you'll have a a very high pick next year in an actual good quarterback class. That's what I would do if I was the Falcons. But aside from that, obviously they added Marcus Mariota. He will have a chance to start, which shows what I'm saying. The Falcons are probably going to take a quarterback. Because they didn't say, hey, Marcus, come. You're going to be our starter. They said, hey, come sign this deal, and you'll have the opportunity to compete for the starting job, which means they're probably bringing somebody else in. So you've got those things so far for the Falcons, and they also added running back Damian Williams. I really don't want anything to do with anybody on that team except for Kyle Pitts. 
But in Superflex Leagues, I'd be interested in Mariota. I'd look his way. Assuming that he is actually going to be starting for the Falcons, I would look Mariota's way. I would have, I'll tell you this, I'll take Mariota over Matt Ryan in Superflex Leagues. So then we've got the Bucks. The Bucks had a bunch of movement. They lost two linemen, but then they, Alex Kappa and Ali Marpet, but then they added Shaq Mason. So Shaq Mason is an upgrade over Alex Kappa. So now they're just dealing with the whole of Ali Marpet, which is a big one. They lost safety Jordan Whitehead, but they added safety Logan Ryan. They lost Antonio Brown. They added wide receiver Russell Gage and Brashad Perryman's coming back and they lost tight end OJ Howard. So overall, slight downgrade in weapons, slight downgrade because of the offensive line. That's pretty much it though. And we don't know what's going on with Gronk yet, but if Gronk doesn't come back, then compared to last year, they also lost Gronk. Then the Saints and overall for the Bucks, I mean, you know how to look at these guys for fantasy. Leonard Fournette is looking pretty good, especially with Rojo gone now. Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be, I think, a very good target for people that like to go zero running back, which you know I'm not a proponent of. But if you are the type of person to do that, make sure you grab Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn, however you want to say it. Because if Leonard Fournette goes down with injury and the Bucks aren't coming out with Isaiah Spiller or somebody on day two of the draft, because they're not going to use their first round pick on a running back, I really hope they don't, um, then... That person, then Keyshawn Vaughn's going to be really good if Lenny goes down. So he's a good target for zero running back. Then we've got the Saints. We didn't have really much fantasy movement for the Saints. They lost Marcus Williams' safety, and they lost offensive tackle Teron Armstead, but for fantasy purposes, not much movement. The Panthers, same thing, not much movement. The Seahawks obviously lost Russell Wilson, added Drew Locke, added Noah Fant, added Shelby Harris, the defensive tackle, I'm not excited at all for the wide receivers in Seattle. I don't care if they bring in a rookie. I don't care. I do not care. I don't care if they bring in um, if they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe if they brought in Baker Mayfield, I would be interested in Lockett. DK, not as much. I feel like Tyler Lockett's just a better route runner, and that's more what Baker Mayfield's going to rely on, and he's going to target the better route runner more often, I believe. But honestly, just... not a good situation in Seattle because you know with Russ gone they're definitely not going to be pass happy they're definitely going to pound the rock there's going to be low pass volume to go around it's going to be less accurate less efficient than it was with Russell Wilson so no thank you for those receivers and they're still going to hurt each other back and forth and be super inconsistent the Rams they and for Noah Fant I guess real quick for Noah Fant in Seattle I want to be freaking out but definitely taking a hit moving from Denver because the wide receivers in Seattle are better and there's like I said low pass volume in Seattle and not a good quarterback anymore the Rams they added Allen Robinson they lost Von Miller they lost Robert Woods they might lose Odo Beckham and they lost Andrew Whitworth so they had a bunch of losses but they're adding Allen Robinson this is going to be interesting because at this point in time It's hard for me to believe that Allen Robinson is as good as he was two years ago just because of the lack of production from last year. He was so utterly just horrible for, in terms of production, I'm not saying his talent or how he performed, but in terms of production. But honestly, whether it was Andy Dalton or Justin Fields or whoever, he never really looked like a dominating wide receiver one. And... 
maybe that's you know maybe the change of scenery and a good accurate quarterback like Matthew Stafford who's one of the most accurate quarterbacks last year maybe that's all he needs but I'm not sure if he's going to actually have more of an impact than Odell Beckham just did for the Rams or what Robert Woods was doing before Robert Woods got hurt so it'll be interesting to see what happens I'm optimistic for Allen Robinson but I'm not hopeful if that makes any sense with that said, that, that finishes out the Rams. Then 49ers lost Raheem Mostert. Other than that, everything's the same. Cardinals lost Chase Edmonds, so that's looking really good for James Conner. They also brought Zach Ertz, brought back Zach Ertz for three years. The Bears lost Khalil Mack and added Equinemius St. Brown, so not much movement really for the Bears. The Packers, lots of movement. They lost their entire wide receiver core, which wasn't even that great outside of Devontae Adams in the first place. But they lost Devontae Adams. They lost Marquez. Valdez Scantling, and they lost Equinemius St. Brown. They literally are looking at Alan Lazard and Amari Rodgers. I like Amari Rodgers. You guys know I liked him last year. I was hoping he could get a little more production in his rookie year. He didn't, but maybe he's got the path he needs now. We'll see what the Packers do. I don't think anybody can imagine a scenario where the Packers come out of the first round in 30 days without a wide receiver with two picks, two opportunities to grab one. That's very difficult to believe. If it does happen, though, wheels up for Amari Rodgers. And then the Lions, they added DJ Chark, and that's pretty much it for fantasy purposes. I'm not super excited for DJ Chark. They've already got Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift. DJ Chark, at best, is going to be the fourth option in that offense. Jared Goff is not great. That offense is not great. So the fourth option is not something that I want a part of. Because even with some really good offenses in the league, for fantasy purposes, you don't even want the fourth option. One of the, the more poor offenses in the league, I definitely don't want the fourth option. So DJ Chark, I'm not really paying any attention to. The Commanders added Carson Wentz. This is going to be the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin has played with. That doesn't mean that Terry McLaurin is going to do way better, but he'll definitely be doing better than he did last year. I expect more like 17, but in, in the range of 15 to 17 points per game. For, for Terry McLaurin. The Eagles did pretty much nothing yet, but they've got three first-round picks, so a lot can change for the outlook of those guys for fantasy purposes. The Cowboys lost Amari Cooper, they lost Cedric Wilson, and they lost Blake Jarwin. So they lost three of their top six offensive receiving weapons. Now they're left with Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. This is the year. This is the year, guys. CeeDee Lamb is going to make his mark this year, I'm telling you, and I would not be surprised at all. I would not be surprised if Dynasty wide receiver rankings next year look like this. One, Jamar Chase. Two, CeeDee Lamb. Three, Justin Jefferson. I would not be surprised at all. And honestly, I think that might end up being what happens. CeeDee Lamb has everything going for him right now. And he's also he's also super, super determined. And that's pretty much it. That's all the NFC stuff. Like I told you guys, there's, compared to the AFC, there's not much. I can give you guys a little preview into my some rookie findings that I've that I've got so far. I was doing a lot more work on the wide receivers, and I'll just say this: hopefully, a bunch of people that I play against are not listening to this because I don't want them to use it against me and to end up like trading in front of me if they feel the same way and sniping me. But David Bell is going to be on my teams everywhere. 
in rookie drafts, I will be drafting. Now, unless he goes to a horrible landing spot, which, I mean, I don't see that happening. David Bell, he's 6'2", 205. He ran a, a underwhelming 40, which is like making people forget about him. He ran a 465. Let me remind you that that 465 is not bad for wide receivers. There's plenty of dominant wide receivers in the NFL that ran in the 4.6s and late 4.5s. But David Bell, he had a... And yeah, his, his athletic measurables are not insane. But if you watch him, he's... I think he's got a very high floor, a very high ceiling. He is... Honestly, he might be better. So this is how I have it ranked. I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this. But... He might be better than Traylon Burks and George Pickens and Drake London. I have it ranked that way right now. I have Garrett Wilson as my number one wide receiver. Jamison Williams is my number two. Chris Olave is my number three. And then David Bell at four. So I'm a huge David Bell guy. His body control is insane. His ball skills are insane. He's a good route runner. He's pretty polished. And he's got good size, like prototypical wide receiver one size. And I think in the NFL, he is going to be... And part of the reason I have him ranked so high is because I think he's a lot safer of a prospect than George Pickens because of the injuries to George Pickens. And I think he's just not necessarily a better athlete, but he's a lot more fluid and a better route runner and stuff than George Pickens. So I think David Bell's safer in that aspect. George Pickens' ceiling is definitely just as high. if It's actually higher than David Bell's. Same thing with Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is not a polished route runner at all. And he doesn't create much separation. It leaves room for the possibility of Traylon Burks being a bust in the NFL. Like a Laquan Treadwell type. So that's why I have David Bell above Traylon Burks. And then Drake London, I, I don't know. Like, everybody seems to be in love with the dude. I'm not. But I also was not in love with Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman did a lot better than I thought. Maybe I just have, like, some weird unconscious... Or not, un- <laughs> not unconscious. Some weird subconscious um, bias in a negative way towards USC wide receivers. I'm not sure. But Drake London does, just doesn't do it for me. Like, I think he's good. But I don't think he's as good as everybody else thinks he is. And obviously not when I have receivers that play a similar type of game like David Bell, George Pickens, and Traylon Burks all above him. So not a huge Drake London guy. I probably won't have him anywhere because everyone seems to have him in their top like four wide receivers or top three wide receivers. I'm not one of those people, clearly. He's not in my top five. So, you know, especially if he goes to like Green Bay, then everyone's going to be all over him as like wide receiver one. I'm not about that. Not about that life. So Drake London, I'll be passing on probably a lot. Alec Pierce is pretty interesting to me. He's my wide receiver nine. He's super athletic, got really good measurables. Um, and we'll be, you know, I'll be interested to see where he goes. Landing spot, honestly, landing spot is going to gonna be very important for like all of the guys outside of the top eight. In my opinion, my top eight wide receivers are Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, David Bell, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, Jahan, Jahan Dotson or Jahan, I don't know which one it is. I think it's Jahan. Jahan Dotson and Drake London. Those are my top eight. So every everyone after that, I think landing spot is a lot more important than the top eight. Um, obviously, it matters for everybody, though. With that said, 
Um, that's what I got for this podcast. Expect a more in-depth rookie um, overview and a mock draft coming soon. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Please drop a rating, drop a review. And until next time, peace.